have so clearly conveyed to President Putin that any use of nuclear weapons will have severe consequences for uh, Russia. Uh, it will, it will, of course, totally change the nature of uh, the conflict. It's not clear what NATO or the U.S. response would be if Russia used a nuclear tactical weapon on the battlefield in Ukraine. What do you think it should be? Well, I think the message to him is if you use a nuclear weapon, it's a suicide weapon. And, and the response from NATO and the United States doesn't have to be nuclear. So that first voice was the guy who runs, um, what, Jen Stoltenberg. NATO? Is that oh, yeah. He's? Yeah, he's the... Uh, he's the NATO. Right. Guy. And, yeah. and then that was General McMaster after that. The question being asked to a whole bunch of people over the last week or so, do you think he'll use nukes, and what if he does? Too horrible to contemplate, yet we must. So let's contemplate it with Dr. Jeff McCausland, CBS News military consultant, founder and CEO of Diamond Six Leadership and Strategy, LLC. Uh, Dr. McCausland, also a senior fellow at the Stockdale Center for Ethical Leadership at the Naval Academy. Uh, Jeff, always a pleasure. How are you, sir? Doing well. Great to be with you guys. So it is practically uncontemplatable, and yet we must, the idea that, say, let's start with uh, Vladimir Putin conducts a quote-unquote nuclear test and blows up something under the ocean on up through levels, Kiev. How, what sort of reaction could we expect to see? Well, if he made an attack on um, Ukraine, I think the responses could be pretty broad, albeit it's not going to be totally laid out in advance because one of the things that you want to enhance deterrence with a certain amount of ambiguity. Now, but he will have to calculate how the West would respond. What could the West do? Well, the first thing, if you would like a no-fly zone over Ukraine with NATO airplanes flying over Ukraine, I can't think of a faster way to get there than to pop a nuke on Ukrainian territory. If you'd like to see NATO forces on Ukrainian territory, at least providing direct logistical and training support, something they've requested, again, a quick way to get there. If you'd like to see a lot of NATO ships in the Black Sea facilitating the export of grain out of Ukraine to countries around the world, you might get there. And obviously, in addition to that, Mr. Putin would have to calculate what would be the response elsewhere. His support around the world is dwindling as this war goes on. Even the Chinese, I think, are providing at best sort of tacit support. There's been no evidence of clear, direct Chinese support, except they buy a lot of oil at heavily discounted prices. So if you want to become the next, as Tom Friedman said, next North Korea and totally isolate yourself internationally, that's the way to go. And then last but not least, Mr. Putin might want to calculate that the use of a nuclear weapon on Ukrainian territory, the winds blow from west to east in that part of Europe most generally. So any kind of a radioactive fallout would not only damage Ukraine, of course, and kill thousands of innocent civilians, be a criminal act, but a lot of that radioactivity could very clearly end up Uh, on Russian territory and on Russian forces. Well, General Petraeus yesterday on ABC This Week indicated that if if he uses a tactical nuke, and he didn't specify of what level, but if Putin uses a tactical nuke, we would wipe out everything on land and see that we could identify. Do you think we would go that far? And if we did, how long would that take? Well, it depends, of course, on what kind of weapon and where it's done. I mean, you have to calibrate response to some degree like that. But clearly, you know, Dave's not off the mark. That would be one of the calculations. But I come back to what's happened, and that is the Biden administration privately has made it pretty clear, so they've claimed, to the Russians that the response would be pretty overwhelming. They're never going to lay it out very clearly. This is exactly what we're going to do, uh, because to do so undermines your deterrence. 
Some have suggested, for example, that the Russians might do a demonstration strike. They might drop one over the Arctic, or they might drop one over the Black Sea to show how really angry they are. I kind of doubt that's going to happen. When you, I come back to Russian military doctrine, which I've studied a lot. Russians say in their military doctrine, we use a tactical nuclear weapon in effort to break up you know, a static line of defense for our adversary and then use that to do a rapid armor advance. They don't have the forces left to do that. And, and bringing in untrained recruits like they're doing right now is hardly going to enhance that effort. Furthermore, the Russian army in that particular region is in pretty sad shape right now. As a consequence, I don't think they're sophisticated enough to protect themselves, resupply themselves with the necessary protective equipment, water, etc., to protect yourself in close proximity to a nuclear attack. They, w- they would do a, a great deal of good. So, as a student, students of of real politic, and uh, I have an enthusiasm for studying negotiation. I'm I'm trying to figure out how Ukraine and NATO achieve their goals while giving Putin an off-ramp, as they say, that doesn't include the use of nuclear weapons and, and, and that sort of thing. It's, it's a tough needle to thread right now, giving Putin, given Putin's disastrous uh, moves of late. What do you picture as an end to this? Yeah, and, and you're exactly right, oh, by the way. Well, I think the use of a nuclear weapon for a second longer is low probability. It's certainly not zero, for sure. And the problem you get into is, at what point does Mr. Putin say that, you know, backing off is such a personal or national humiliating catastrophe that I'm willing to, you know, roll the cosmic roll of the dice with a nuclear weapon, which might yield some degree of success? How blocked in are you? Oh, by the way, this is something John Kennedy worried about almost exactly 60 years ago when we were going through the Cuban Missile Crisis. The Ukrainians, in their response to the announcement by the Russians that they have annexed this territory, and oh, by the way, Mr. Putin is taking up his offerings, because what he said in his speech on the 30th was not only is these provinces now Russian territory, even though they don't, oh, by the way, control the territory of those provinces, but that is permanent. He called on the Ukrainians to go to a ceasefire and come to the negotiations, but indicated that would be with them accepting the permanence of that territory being transferred to Ukraine. Well, there's no way in hell, quite frankly, the Ukrainians are going to do that. And the Ukrainian response, again, making this even more difficult, was to say they hardly saw any possibility of negotiating as long as Putin was still in charge in Russia. So Jeff McCausland, the- CBS News military consultant on the line. Go ahead, Jack. There are some headlines that have just come out. Um, they're not from your best media sources, but that a Russian nuclear train military has been seen on the move. We'll see if that turns out to be verified or not, because that's one of the things I heard Secretary Lloyd Austin and others talking about. We've seen no uh, indication of them moving around the forces or whatever that would lead us to believe they're going to use nukes. But away from that topic, Senator Marco Rubio yesterday said he's more concerned about a a uh, conventional sort of strike on a NATO country. Like, are we prepared for a response if Russia attacks a train station in Poland that is, you know, where a lot of the supplies are leaving from or that sort of thing? Uh, how how do we respond to that? Because it's not, you know, it's not the clear red line of, of, of nukes that the world might, um, you know, rally around. Uh, do, we, do we attack the same way or what happens then? Yeah, well, of course, that would invoke Article 5, which is an attack on one country as an attack on all, and Putin fully understands that. 
But, I mean, there's a variety of ways that he can still escalate, and we've seen that played out over the last week or so as well. I mean, I happen to believe, though I can't absolutely prove it, that the attack on this uh, pipeline sure. uh, in the Baltic Sea was done by the Russians. I mean, I can't figure who else would do it. It was a sophisticated attack requiring submersible drones or divers. I don't think al-Qaeda's got submersible drones in the Baltic right now. So I think that that was clearly the Russians, but it's an effort for them to further intimidate the Europeans over energy. Oh, by the way, they did it only a day or so after a new pipeline was opened between Norway and Poland, suggesting once again the Europeans it could be a cold winter if you don't force the Ukrainians to, in fact, come to the negotiating table. They could do the attack like Rubio suggested. They could do a large-scale cyber attack. They could cause problems elsewhere, for example, in the Balkans or with Moldova. There's a variety of other things that Putin can do, and he has in his toolbox to escalate. And I trust that NATO leaders, Washington included, are examining each one of those and trying to think through what would be our response and calibrating that based on what the Russians actually do. So my final question is, I I was just reading that some of the uh, Kremlin-approved channels in Russia are actually stating that NATO troops are on the ground in Ukraine fighting actively. We are already at war with NATO. Uh, Is that sort of thing going to work? Well, it's all part of Russian propaganda. And Mr. Putin's speech announced in the annexation, he really described this more and more as a conflict between the West and Russia even described the United States and the West as satanic. Are you ready for that? Uh, And suggested that, in fact, it was the goal of Washington and NATO to destroy Russia. But this is for domestic consumption back home. Don't forget, more young Russians have fled the country since he announced this 300-man mobilization than probably have fought in the Ukraine since this war began. So he's got to pay attention to domestic consumption and painting this as a threat by the West, a threat to the existence rally to the motherland, all those kind of things. It's a traditional thing the Russians have done, and Putin has done it a couple of times during this crisis, to get the people behind this particular effort. Dr. Jeff McCausland, CBS News military consultant. Jeff, uh, thanks as always. Really enjoyed it. My pleasure. Armstrong and Getty. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, 
Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.